Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for free. Just go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's SiriusXM.com slash busted. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, the innovator of violence, the landlord of the House of Hardcore, Tommy Dreamer and I talk the greatest wrestling matches of all time. We're getting ready for Backlash, where we're going to see Edge and Randy Orton, and what they claim to be is going to be the greatest wrestling match of all time. Well, Tommy and I talk about our top five greatest wrestling matches of all time and what goes in to having the greatest wrestling match of all time also we lost the legend mr wrestling 2 passed on at the age of 85 we talk about him and with both topics we talk to pro wrestling historian mike mooneyham right now on the busted open podcast we do have to talk about something because news is breaking right now and uh, mm-hmm. as much as we're both so so happy to be on the air together uh we we just learned the passing of another wrestling legend uh, this morning that it's breaking, and uh, so David, you go. You're the you're the guy who talks it. Yeah, uh, somebody who you know I watched a lot um, as a child, and somebody who was featured a lot in the wrestling magazines, uh, and that's uh, Mr. Wrestling Two. Uh, I got the news from you, Tommy. Uh, this morning, uh, Bill Apter tweeted about it. The NWA tweeted about it. And it seems like we lost a legend. Uh, Mr. Wrestling 2 has passed away. Yeah, man. And when I tell you the same thing, I loved Mr. Wrestling number 2. He was one of my faves growing up as a kid, watching him from Georgia Championship Wrestling yep. and you know, following him in the wrestling magazines. Gordon Soley always... Putting him over uh, that million-dollar knee lift, I love, love, loved what they did with him and Magnum TA in Mid-South, where he became like Magnum TA's teacher and mentor and training him and Magnum, you know, and him won the uh, titles. And uh, I kind of wanted to and was doing that with uh, Tessa Blanchard in Impact Wrestling and... uh, Man, Mr. Wrestling 2, that knee lift and just his style. Uh, I was watching him the other night and he just did such amazing things in the ring and how they put over his knee lift was just amazing. And Gordon Soley, I always remember him saying, and this was when he was president and, uh, you know, it was in yep. Laughter's magazine, President Jimmy Carter's favorite wrestler. And there was a picture of him getting headlocked by Jimmy Carter and it was on like, you know, in every wrestling magazine and that iconic white and black mask and his wife made all the robes for the wrestlers. But he was, I mean, I could talk to you for days about Mr. Wrestling number two. Yeah. And, and that was what I was going to say. I remember uh, Gordon Soley would, would talk about that. Jimmy Carter's favorite wrestler was Mr. Wrestling two. And it was always in the, in the, in the wrestling magazines. And you're right. That iconic picture of Jimmy Carter and Mr. Wrestling two. And, you know, unfortunately, and this is one of the things that pissed me off. And I don't know if you remember this, Tommy, but uh, probably my, my last memories of Mr. Wrestling two is, you know, when WWF went national in 1984 
they signed Mr. Wrestling too. And just like what we saw with Mad Dog Vashon and, you know, Tony Gurria at the end of his career, like he was more enhancement talent um, in his run with the WWF. And um, that really upset me because Mr. Wrestling too was somebody that was iconic. You know, remember him in mid South with, you know, Magnum TA, like that, that was somebody that was like on a, on a different plane. So that really upset me when he went over to the WWF later in his career. I do too. And that was also the the era of the body guys starting to yeah. develop. And, you know, he was, he, dude, he was an older man. I'm watching his stuff in mid South and this was after Georgia and he was in his fifties, which is basically my age now. And, uh, I'm just like, Whoa, cause the way he would move. And I'm seriously, I'm just watching his whole feud with, uh, the midnight express and they, uh, they laid him out. They, Jim Cornette, they're trying to get a title show. Just the progression of this whole angle is, is phenomenal. And uh, I highly recommend you watch his stuff on the WWE Network. It, you can find it all 1983, 84, mm-hmm. and, and you know, former North American heavyweight champion. Another great angle. And, and I, if you ever find it, you can find the whole episode on YouTube is Georgia Championship Wrestling. And they were supposed to have Tommy Rich replace uh, Tommy Rich supposed to fight Ric Flair and Austin Idol comes in and Austin Idol. uh, They play basically placed a bounty because a lot of babyface We all got bounties placed on us and uh, Austin Idol put the Las Vegas leg lock on Tommy Rich. He tied it with his belt. Tommy's got a knee injury. He can't compete at the Omni and on that same card. The way they did it, Mr. Wrestling number two steps up and like Ric Flair acted like, well, I'm not going to face anybody because I have no person to be there. And Mr. Wrestling number two stepped up. And when you feel that like Mr. Wrestling number two was going to become the NWA world champion, it was just magical television all built up with interviews in ring uh, and they tore it up and the whole the legacy of the mask, which I I love, and you know, we haven't seen a masked wrestler in the U.S. and come along that way, like maybe except for like a Rey Mysterium. The the the, the mask still has such great lineage in Mexico. I wish it had that same lineage here. You have Pentagon and Phoenix, but they're not at that Rey Mysterio level. But the whole thing was a masked wrestler couldn't hold the NWA championship. And it was just so if he ever won it, he had to unmask. And yeah, always you could watch even having some enhancement matches in mid South. If a guy went after his mask, he would go ballistic on this dude. And so many angles were just set up of, Hey, I'm going to try to rip his mask off. And a few times they did. And someone ran in with a towel or he covered up his face and, you know, a lot of people, I, I remember talking with Jim Cornette saying he was in a Walmart and this older gentleman kept saying, hey, Jimmy, hey, Jimmy Cornette's thinking he's going to have to fight somebody in a Walmart because it was a fan. And he goes, it was Mr. Wrestling number two without his mask. And they were like 20 miles outside of a town. He's like, and he had worked a program with him for almost a year. And did not know what the guy looked like. Wow. And he would shower with the mask. He was just old school with uh, that mentality and keeping his identity secret, even though he basically wrestled for a long time without a mask. But he kept his identity secret. And man, he will be missed for many, many wrestling fans from many, many generations how he performed. I believe he only wrestled as Mr. Wrestling 2 for about 18 years but it was an impactful 18 years. And you and I just recently, and you can get it on the uh, Sirius XM Busted Open podcast and also on demand on the Sirius XM app. Tommy, you and I just recently did our top 10 feuds of all time show as one of the specialty shows at 9 a.m. And this show, this, this feud wasn't listed, but it's definitely one of the most impactful feuds. And that's the, the feud that Mr. Wrestling 2 had with Magnum TA in Mid South. I, I remember, you know, for a brief time on TBS getting Mid South Wrestling and, you know, Mr. Wrestling 2 was, you know, Magnum TA's mentor and he was teaching them and they had all those vignettes where where, you know, 
you know, he's he's running behind him, a Magnum on the bike, and you know, Mr. Wrestling Two on the bike, a Magnum running behind him, and and then you know he turned, and that was one of the the best feuds. Uh, I believe that was like 1983 going into 1984, and you know. A lot of people don't know about Mr. Wrestling 2 for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. It's going back, you know, 35, 40 years ago, his heyday, 40 years ago. His mask was extremely simple, just black and white, nothing, nothing glitzy, nothing glamorous about his mask. But he was just that old school philosophy wrestler and. Uh, uh, you know, and the year of his passing, it brought back a lot of memories. And, and I hope people go back, like you said, once this show is over, go to the WWE Network and see some of his old matches and some of his old moments. He had a lot of unique movements. Uh, they used to call him at times the rubber band man, like even go and lock up with a guy. And he would the way he would get out of it. And he would do this weird little neck twitch uh, stance thing. and or someone would put him in a headlock and he would just like move his head and his shoulders and be able to get out of it. Uh, I only met the man once. Uh, when you're talking about that Mid-South uh, training, I'm remembering because it was so bad. It was great. They were in a barn and they're trying to, Mr. S and two, they're holding up a bale of like rice or hay, no, it was rice or hay. And Mr. Uh, Magnum TA's come runs and he's hitting the bag to try to uh, pop it and show. And Mr. S number two is like more in the hips. You got to explode with your hips. He does it twice and then they switch it. And it was with Jim Ross and then they switch it and they're holding this bag. And here comes Magnum TA and he hits his knee lift and the bag breaks and all like either the hay or the rice start falling on the floor. And they're both like, wow, <laughs> it was just. He did such an amazing thing by <laughs> popping this thing with just one strike. And but his knee lift, his knee lift was special. I mean, he would do. I get so many friggin' feuds, um, or him tagging with the junkyard dog, uh, and then the whole Stagger Lee angle because you know now we have two mass wrestlers. Him and Ted DiBiase had an amazing feud for the North American title. He was uh, what you had said with uh, him and Magnum. It was played perfectly because it was the younger guy on the rise and the seasoned veteran feeling that this guy is taking all the spotlight from the stuff he taught him and leaving Mr. Wrestling 2 behind. It, it was just superbly done. And then I know we've when we did a lot of the territories and, and Ted DiBiase talked about it, there were so many things that Bill Watts did where he dropped little, little hints about stuff like this. And at first you never saw it coming because they were a great cohesive unit, but that's how you make money. And to be such a beloved babyface for so long and then to turn heel and be hated. But he's also, if you think about it, he was doing his job of getting that next generational talent over and what a job he did on, you know, Magnum TA. Soccer is a passion that goes beyond the sport. And Sirius XMFC's podcast, More Than a Game, brings that passion to you. Can you believe it? In each episode, FC's panel of experts take a deep dive into club histories, iconic grounds, bitter rivalries, and so much more. There's nothing like a Derby Day in Manchester. New episodes are available weekly by downloading the Pandora app and searching More Than a Game. And if I made a list of my top 10 favorite wrestling matches, you would probably hear me talk about Kevin Von Erich and Chris Adams at the Cotton Bowl. But when we talk about greatest wrestling matches, let me ask you, Tommy. And, you know, I came up with a list of my top five greatest wrestling matches that I'll, I'll give next hour. I know you made a list of your top three uh, greatest wrestling matches of all time. I've asked the nation to give us their top three greatest wrestling matches of all time. So, Tommy, let me ask you, what constitutes a great wrestling match? When you think of the greatest wrestling matches, when you're coming up with your list, what were the main ingredients to be put on that list? I think it is card subject to change because everyone, you can never have the greatest of anything because of everyone else is going to argue with it. 
because it's what they deemed as something that was great. And like so many, and I asked the nation when I tweeted out just because like they jog my memory and some people were like Jimmy Snooker versus Don Morocco, which was so influential to me, Mick Foley, Bully Ray, uh, because of when Jimmy finally jumped off that cage or I've had some matches like me personally, I was like, man, I love so many of my matches. Um, I went with this on the specifics of a great wrestling match would be between two wrestlers in the sense of when, you know, for me, I always had that hardcore brawling style and I would not consider myself having like a mat classic, though I have had a few, but it's you have to be two or if we go old school scientific wrestlers, no use of chairs, no gimmick matches. None of that stuff should be in there. But that's why I said it's it's card subject to change because some people like, you know, said Mick Foley versus Undertaker, Hell in a Cell. Yeah, that is an amazing, iconic match. But I'm just talking wrestling match where there's just two guys going at it in the ring and doing their art form of professional wrestling. Uh, I would look at something on paper where I would say Ricochet versus Will Ospreay could be one of the greatest wrestling matches of all time. Don't know if we'll ever see it, but because they would just go out there and wrestle and they would do, but then people would say, oh, it's it's two high flyers or two guys doing spots. It, it doesn't really matter. I mean, when I seriously, I was going through this list I was thinking one of the greatest tag matches I've ever seen, and I said this before, was uh, the Young Bucks. This is on a Ring of Honor, no, a Chikara card, uh, and they couldn't perform on the pay-per-view. It was the Young Bucks versus uh, the Ants, and one was Orange Cassidy, and the other one was Sami Zayn. And I seriously sat there, and I was like, this is one of the greatest tag matches I've ever seen. And it went on first on the show and it was just like, and, and you're talking to me who has seen so many great wrestling matches. And I know like uh, there, there's just, I just went at it for two pure guys or girls going out there and wrestling like, and it should, now that I'm saying it should have been added to my list, but it's not like Charlotte versus Oscar at WrestleMania two years ago. Those two women went out there and had the best pure wrestling match of the night. And that's how I did it, where it's no... And then if you go back and look at it, like if you go, because I know one of the matches on your uh, list, I'm not going to say what it is, but like back in the day, and you and Bully have like fought about it for so long, guys would go to the floor and sometimes that 10 count was legit. Other times they'd be on the floor for like two to three minutes, yeah, hitting each other with a chair, hitting all this, you know... Uh, using the microphone wire and it was considered like legal. Like if you don't make, don't point it out as the announcers and it's okay. That's kind of what we did in ECW. It was like anything goes. And we did have rules in a company that was this extreme style, but we never went, well, he's on the floor for 17 minutes fighting through the crowd. It was just, Hey, this is what we do. We don't have to explain it because it's just implied. I just watched literally Chief J Strongbow wrestle an enhancement guy, threw him over the top rope right in front of uh, Dick Worley, hit him with a chair three times, threw him into the post, choked him with the microphone. Chief J Strongbow was supposed to be the baby face. It was a horrible, and this was an enhancement match. And they were on the floor for at least two minutes. And I was like, okay. And this is because they kept talking about that it should be a count out. But anyway, back to the greatest match. I just did it in the style of two wrestlers going out there and tearing it up with wrestling. And dude, I was going as far back as like, there's a match I've seen on YouTube. It was in UWFI and both guys were in their fifties. You can look it up. Nick Bockwinkle versus Billy Robinson. It was the realest match I've ever seen. And those two guys look like they were stretching the hell out of each other. And they probably wrestled probably 200 times and they were both in their fifties. And these two guys look like they just had a straight-up wrestling match. Or Harley Race versus Terry Funk. You could find that on YouTube or you could find that on the NWA collection. 
two out of three falls where it was just tight, snug wrestling holds. And they went two out of three and they kept my attention. And I just watched this match over the, uh, over the winter for the first time. And it was, I'm just sitting there watching, not because I'm an old, I, I looked at it through my, my wrestler eyes and I was like, wow, this match still holds up today. You know what, Tommy? I'm, I'm glad. And again, you know, the parameters, the individual can set. You know, when you think of the greatest wrestling matches of all time, like Tommy's talking about that pure pro wrestling in the vein of, I, I guess, what they're trying to have come across on Sunday at Backlash between Edge and Randy Orton. When I think of greatest wrestling matches, obviously I'm talking about the in-ring action and the pure wrestling style that would take place in that match. But also, I kind of went a little bit further than that, Tommy. I, when I was thinking about those of, of those matches, I was thinking of matches that have a long-lasting memory to it. And there's every match that I put on my list, you know, people would instantly be able to think of right off the top of their head because that's how influential that match was. I have some matches that go back to the 80s. I have some matches that were just from a couple of years ago, but there's a major influence to the match. Again, a match that is brought up when you talk about the greatest wrestling matches. I think that a match that has a legacy to it. I think that uh, a match that has influence to it. And I think a match that, you know, why, you know, you know, change the way that people watch pro wrestling. So I kind of thought of those aspects when I came up with my list of the greatest wrestling matches of all time. The Akinbarak Show. Iron Mike Tyson, iconic name, gave us the knee post on Instagram and Twitter. No caption needed. I mean, I, I like Mike's opinion. I would love to hear him speak on it, but I appreciate the post. I think a caption is so important. Being kneeled says it all you know but uh people want to hear your words people want to know what's what's on your mind mike you know you're such an iconic figure uh we love to hear you speak weekdays from 12 to 1 p.m eastern only on sirius xm fight nation channel 156 as we get closer to backlash on sunday where we're going to see edge and randy orton and already they're calling it the greatest wrestling match of all time uh, a lot of pressure but we'll see what happens on sunday and we want to get the nation's top three greatest wrestling matches of all time as well 877-344-4893 877-FIGHT-93 if you can fight you can call and before we get back to the busted open nation tommy tommy why don't you give the nation and this is somebody that not only is one of the most iconic wrestlers of all time, and it was involved in one of the greatest pro wrestling feuds of all time with ECW, but is also a pro wrestling fan and historian. So Tommy, who just changed his hat from an Atlanta Hawks hat to a New York Yankees cap. Tommy, one, I, I, it's unbelievable. Why, you're fucking fraud. Why don't you give us your top three greatest wrestling matches of all time? Well, Dave, you really kind of screwed me up here. And uh, just like the caller said, I'm rethinking everything. And this is also a Mets hat, not a Yankees hat. Whatever. And... Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna. It's not. Gotta, here's why I didn't know because the hat is black and gray. The last I saw that the the colors for the New York Mets are blue and orange, not black and gray. There you go. Now he's got a New York Yankees cap, the classic New York Yankees cap. And again, for all the frauds that say they're Yankee fans and they walk around with jerseys that have the name on it, last I checked, Yankees don't have names on the back of their jerseys. But I digress. Go ahead, Tommy. So glad you don't harbor any of that Greg Nettles and Rick Cerrone hatred after all these years. <laughs> well, I got to, uh, like I said, my, if this was historic matches, I would have a completely other list and I would put like Sean Ver, and this is a whole other show. This is for next week. Uh, I would put like <laughs> Tully Blanchard and Magnum TA. I quit match because it was an iconic. I quit match or Sean versus razor in a ladder match or hell in a cell, I would go that route. But I went with pure wrestling matches, and now I want to change them all because I don't really like you right now. No, but the, no, but Tommy, if that's your if that's your criteria, that's fine. Like I, I, I don't but think you messed me up, and I picked five, not three. Thanks for reading my list. No, Ready? but you, I know you picked five, but you tweeted out top three. You tweeted yeah, that, that out was to the fans. We're the hosts. 
All right, so we give me your to top get five. A little bit more over than than the nation, just for one second. Hell, all our right, you give me getting more over than us. All, all right. right, give me your top five. Honorable mention: Bret Hart versus Davy Boy Smith SummerSlam, because okay. just a great wrestling match. And that finish for a lot of wrestlers, they'll say Bret Davy Boy finish, and it still holds today. All right. Number five, Brett versus Owen at WrestleMania. And I say it because it was just a great wrestling match. It was shocking, and it furthered the storyline, and it showed the world what a great talent everybody knew Owen Hart was. But him to get that victory over his brother was just unreal and shocking to start off WrestleMania. The next one, saw it live. And when I went, because this was pure wrestling list, and it was there last night in ECW, D. Malenko versus Eddie Guerrero. It was amazing, and it was such a great wrestling match, especially during where we had all this blood, guts, and violence. Everyone spoke about this great scientific wrestling match. It was also a hybrid between Japanese style and Lucha Libre, and both guys just really, really shined. I liked it so much I hit the ring without a shirt on and picked both guys up. I went topless for that one. <laughs> the next one, even though I just watched it and I didn't like the finish, but the fans liked it. And at the time, I said it was the greatest match of all time. And it was because of all the false finishes. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus Randy Savage. And... That was just because of the time that they went out. It's an iconic as the greatest wrestling match of all time. Then this one was way different, but again, because I was such a mark for him. And at that time they went the hour sting versus Ric Flair on the first ever clash of champions. And I didn't know about all the back and forth. I remember I was pissed because I had to set up my two VCRs to record both shows but this match was iconic for me because I saw two guys wrestle for an hour on national television, and I just thought it was amazing. My, I have two number ones, but one doesn't count because there's only about fifteen to 18,000 people that saw it, and I'm talking to the other person who was there. Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat at the Meadowlands. Yep. No one's ever seen that match, but I remember it moments of it and I told you and I always tell you this my father who had five masters said I don't know about the rest of them but what that those two guys did was real and it's an amazing memory for me because it was me and my father watching professional wrestling and it held two people's uh, attention for close to an hour and it was just an amazing match but since nobody else saw it except me and Dave and a couple of our <laughs> friends. I can't really put it on the list. And this will get everyone pissed off, but I don't care because I looked at this match as a wrestler and I looked at this match as a wrestling fan and I dubbed it the perfect wrestling match. And it was 99.9% perfect. Okada versus Omega. At, uh, what was it, Wrestle... Wrestle Kingdom 11. And it was, to me, the perfect wrestling match for this generation. And when I say this generation, because you have to watch wrestling differently as opposed to how you used to watch old matches. Because sometimes you go back and watch old matches and be like, oh, that was horrible. And yes, some of it was. Or you could go back and watch matches like, oh my God, that was great for its time. So it, the, the business changes and you have to change and adapt with it. And if my pick for Okada versus Kenny Omega as the best wrestling match of all time makes anyone upset, cool. Uh, that's my opinion and I'm standing by it. And I appreciate every single wrestling match I've ever watched. Some horrible, some great. Yeah. And myself on any of the lists. And I, I mean, I could talk about so many more, but we're, that's for like next week's show. 
No, and, and I guess there is kind of like the difference, and you can say this in music too. Like my taste in music complete, can, can be completely different than your taste in music. Neither one of us is wrong. You know, you could have, I think this is the greatest song of all time. Mine can be different. How can you be wrong? It's about taste. But I think when you look at certain matches that we're going to be talking about today, I think there's a lot of matches that we can agree on. And honestly, Tommy, there are some repeats from your list on my list and you know shocking. this is uh, what's that i said shocking yeah i know we, we we share a same brain now but i looked at the list a little bit differently because you were looking at a lot of the pure wrestling and for me it's more about the story that's being told in the ring one match that i'll use as an honorable mention is a match that we just saw about a year ago tommy and that was cody rhodes and gold dust you know cody rhodes and dustin rhodes at double or nothing for aew i mean that match the story that cody and dustin gave us in las vegas at double or nothing and i was there for it uh was was just absolutely amazing as a matter of fact when i saw cody you know after after that match and he still had blood all over him i had to i had to give him a hug because that's how much that i really loved that match and 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 just a fantastic story that was told in the ring that night so that's one of my honorable mentions but you know when uh, you uh, hang on if i had to pick 10 I had that one, and I also had Cody versus Nick Aldis for the NWA title because I was there live, and just the the atmosphere, and they had great matches, and the you know the stories that were told. I would I had them for top ten. I would have had the Cody uh, Dustin match at seven, right behind uh, the uh, Brett versus Davy Boy. No, and and you know, the, and this is if this was a top ten, you know, this would be on. This is my this is my number six on my top. To, for me, the, you know, if somebody has been watching wrestling for forty years, to say a match that I just saw a year ago is number six on the top ten list of all the greatest matches that I've been able to see in my lifetime as a fan is telling something. And and maybe this is another show that we we could do, Tommy, because you mentioned all in. We could talk about the greatest show that we have ever seen because All In is going to be near the top of my list when you look at top to bottom, that show, and how it really changed the perception of pro wrestling and how it really changed wrestling in 2020, the way we watch wrestling right now. You can go back to All In and how that stemmed AEW. But go back to my list of the top five greatest wrestling matches of all time. And I know this is a match that would be on your list and you didn't have it in your top five for the reasons that you explained, but you did mention it. And that is Magnum TA and Tully Blanchard, the I quit match in the steel cage at Starcade. And again, it's because of the story that was told and the pure hatred that Magnum had for Tully Blanchard. I mean, you know, to have that piece of wood, you know, just inching towards Tully Blanchard's eye and knew that it was about to be plugged. And he and Magnum TA is the baby face in this match, which made Tully Blanchard yell out, I quit in the middle of that ring. I mean, it's a, to me, that is the greatest Starcade match of all time. And there were a lot of great Starcade matches when you look at Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood against the Briscoes at Starcade 83. You know, the gathering of, you know, with Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes. You know, the, the Night of the Skywalkers with the Road Warriors and the Midnight Express. But I think that match was the greatest Starcade match of all time and is number five on my list. A match that was high on your list and it's number Number four, and a lot of people will disagree, and they would think that the match that they had at Dominion was actually better. But when you look at it being Wrestle Kingdom, you look at you know forty thousand fans in attendance. I agree with you, Okada and Kenny Omega from Wrestle Kingdom eleven in January of two thousand and seventeen is number four on my list. The top three, Tommy, and Bully would go absolutely nuts if he heard this. My top three are all Ric Flair matches. At number three is Flair and Steamboat at Clash of Champions in 1989. Uh, to me, the, the, the best match of their three that they had in 89, Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat at Wrestle War in May of 1989. And my number one, Tommy, and to me, this is the greatest wrestling match of all time. And 
there's many different reasons why I feel that this is the greatest wrestling match of all time. Number one, it changed the landscape of pro wrestling. Number two, when you look at the, they're my, if I make a list of my top five wrestlers of all time, this is my number one and my number two of my top five wrestlers of all time. The commentators for this match, Tommy, Jim Ross and Gordon Soley, the two greatest commentators in the history of pro wrestling. You see the theme here? The referee for this match, to me, was the greatest referee of all time in Tommy Young. And it's Ric Flair and Terry Funk, I quit match. To me, for all those reasons I just say, my number one and my number two wrestler of all time, my number one and my number two commentators of all time, my number one referee of all time, and then, again, just a match that was a classic. And I know a lot of people bring up this match, but I don't really think it's giving its just deserve, and that is Terry Funk and Ric Flair, I quit. I'm going to have to go back and watch it because I saw it on your list. I remember not liking the match. And that's when we say it's, and it wasn't because, like, I hated Terry Funk. I wasn't a Terry Funk fan because, you know, I love Dusty Rhodes so much. And I didn't appreciate Terry until I got into wrestling just to how great he truly is. But I'm going to have to go back and watch the match. Do you remember where the match took place, by the way? Yeah, Troy, New York. Such a good fan. <laughs> And and here's the thing too, Tommy. Go back and watch that match. And everybody, it's on it's on the network. The way Terry Funk sells Ric Flair's chops, it, it sounds simple, but it's 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 a work of art. You know, Ric Flair's anger, like you know, you know, Gary Hart was Terry Funk's reference. The way Gary Hart, and because you you know, we always say that Gary Hart didn't really do a great job of bumping around when he would get it. You know, go back and watch Gary Hart uh, in that match. You know, Ric Flair wanted Terry Funk's handshake. The the way that they shook hands at the end of that match. Um, oh boy, a lot went in, and a great story coming out of Flair and Steamboat going in to that match the crowd the way the crowd is into that match um you know somebody who's you're gonna kill me on this somebody who i think is completely underrated as a ring announcer gary michael capetta was the ring announcer for that match uh just just a masterpiece and i believe i could be wrong so if he's listening please call in and correct me but i believe billy corgan you know, president of the NWA, I believe he feels this was the greatest wrestling match of all time. So I could be wrong. We'll have to get Billy Corgan on to talk about that. But that's my that's my top five, Tommy. Right, well, like I said, I'm going to go back and watch. I'm going to watch Please. Mr. Wrestling number two today, but I'm going to go back. I mean, it was an iconic match. And if you, I also laugh because I think about how wrestlers and wrestling people think that like after the good match, it's this new hybrid style or strong style that we shake hands after the match. And even though we have this big feud or, or it's a big, I remember arguing with uh, Paulie afterwards when I wrestled CW Anderson and uh, I shook his hand and it was just called on the fly. And Paul was like, you should not have done that. And he was pissed and it's still brought up today. And people act like it's this newer thing. And here we're talking about Ric Flair versus Terry Funk. And I remember when you described it, I remembered it like, wow, that was something different and unique. But every sport, I've been watching so many NHL documentaries and guys who were literally fighting each other for real, giving each other punches to the face at the end of the Stanley Cup, game seven. And then they have to stand and the winners are celebrating. The losers have to stand there and Guys that they just handed them their ass and they're the champions, they're the losers. They got to shake hands afterwards. Your home for all things combat sports is Sirius XM Fight Nation. Start your day with Hall of Fame Pro Wrestling Talk on Busted Open. Respect these men and women that build the business. Then, the Barack Show keeps you up to date on all things boxing. Boxing is the theater of the unexpected. And MMA guru, Luke Thomas, has you covered for mixed martial arts. Joe Rogan is the most important influencer in all of MMA. The fight game broken down like nowhere else. Only on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. 
In just a few moments, Mike Mooneyham, his pro wrestling historian, is going to be joining us. Going to talk a little Mr. Wrestling 2. Going to talk about the top greatest wrestling matches of all time. And I think kind of cool as well, Tommy, as I think with Mike, we could take some phone calls with Absolutely. the Bust Open Nation. I mean, we don't normally do that with guests, but I think with somebody like Mike Mooneyham that waited 11 and a half years to finally join us here on Busted Open, I think for a first-time guest, why not take some phone calls with them? And Dave, that song that we just brought in, I got to witness Rob Van Dam versus Jerry Lynn for a lot of people. It's been on their list. Uh, they had some amazing pure wrestling matches. I'd be remiss to talk about Bam Bam Bigelow versus Rob Van Dam had some yeah. amazing matches. Uh, I've been blessed and why I love this business so much is because I never took for granted the beauty that I was seeing each and every week of stuff in ECW and you know, it just made me a bigger fan of the industry because just like the times where with AEW, we wanted to see something different and now we're seeing something different and all the talent that keeps on stepping up. I can't put over enough of, you know, the men and women in this industry, especially during these times. You know what? Uh, the fans have been absolutely amazing uh, during the show today. We got a full bank of phone calls. We are now, we brought in an extra two lines, Tommy. We are actually now 11 callers deep. As soon as one hangs up, another one calls in. 877-344-4893. 877-FIGHT-93. And I'm very excited about our next guest, Tommy, because he has never appeared on Busted Open before. And I love his work. You know, author, historian, I follow him on social media. He constantly reminds me of, you know, and this date, you know, in 1972, this title changed hands. He's, he's an amazing historian. And I think for the two topics that we've talked about on today's show with the passing of Mr. WrestleMania, I mean, I'm sorry, Mr. Wrestling 2, and then, of course, the greatest wrestling matches of all time, I'd love to get the perspective of a true historian and definitely a legend in this business. And that's Mike Mooneyham. Sir, how are you today? I'm doing fine. Thank you for that uh, really nice introduction. No, and I think you really do a phenomenal job on social media. Uh, you've definitely embraced social media uh, in, a, in a big way, and I think a lot of fans appreciate that. And first and foremost, uh, the news came down uh, early this morning, and you know, Bill Apter first reported, and Tommy and I talked about it to start off today's show. You know, we lost a legend uh, in Mr. Wrestling, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was... That, that was just crushing when I woke up this morning to, to that news. Um, you know, one thing I can say about Johnny Walker, he, he really lived, he, he lived a great life. Um, such a legendary performer. He meant so much to the wrestling business. Um, I don't know if there's a fan today who, who hasn't seen a, a Mr. Wrestling number two match or, you know, hasn't heard about him. Uh, and such a great guy too, you know, not just, not just as a performer, but as a man, he was, uh, you know, incidentally, he was, he was born right here in Charleston, South Carolina. I don't know if a lot of people knew that, but, um, he was born at, at St. Francis hospital, uh, in Charleston. Uh, it doesn't exist anymore. It hasn't for probably 40, 40 years at least, but, um, that's where he got his middle name, John Francis Walker. Uh, born born at St. Francis Hospital in Charleston. Um, he didn't live here very long. He was uh, his dad was in the Marines and and they moved around quite a bit. But he actually was born in Charleston, so that was uh, you know a little local importance. Um, but uh, I, you know, what can you say about a guy who who meant so much to wrestling fans, particularly in this part of the country? Um, I mean, I don't think I. They can never remember a guy more popular in Georgia back in the 70s than uh, Mr. Wrestling Number 2. And um, he's certainly going to be missed. You know, just another legend. And we don't have many legends from that era, era left. So, you know, it's a tough pill to swallow. But um, I know he's in a better place now. And I know every day he was, you know, just looking forward to the day he and Olivia uh, would reunite. Uh, Mike, I'm looking over this book, and I've had it for a while, and uh, I kind of consider it one of the Bibles when it comes 
uh, to the history of pro wrestling, and it's your Heroes and Icons book that was released a few years back, which I absolutely love and I use as a reference point on this show many, many times. So I thank you for that. And you know, you list uh, you know the greatest pro wrestlers of all time, and you do it in eras as well. Um, you know, when we have a discussion like the one that Tommy and I are having today about the the greatest wrestling matches of all time, and I know that's a very broad, broad topic, but for you, sir, like, are there matches that come to mind when you think of the greatest of all time? Oh, absolutely. And first, the heroes and icons. Uh, I did uh, I, I did that book with Steve Johnson and uh, Greg Oliver. They, they did most of the heavy lifting, but I was quite honored to be a part of that collaboration. Yeah, but you're on the um, show now, so I'm giving you all the credit. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I appreciate that for sure. Um, yeah, you know, I was I was fortunate enough to be born in a, in a at a time where some of the really great classic matches took place, and I, I got to tell you, um, I kind of my standard is like two great series uh, of the past. Um, 50 years, you know, uh, and that has to be Dory Funk Jr. versus Jack Briscoe and Ric Flair against Ricky Steamboat. Um, I was, I saw a lot of the matches between those guys and I don't know, you know, it's a different uh, generation. Really, it's a different business now, but um, I don't know if I could, uh, you know, you just couldn't get any better than that. There was true poetry in motion. Um, and I'll start with the Briscoe and Funk series. Uh, they wrestled so many times uh, back in the 70s, uh, even stretching into the 80s. But um, in, in my estimation, there was never a greater world title, NWA world title run than Dory Funk Jr.'s reign from 1969 into 1973. And uh, I was lucky enough to catch some of the Dory Funk-Jack Briscoe matches from that period. And, uh, you know, it was... It was incredible the the way these two guys, uh, uh, just their presence in the ring, their technical artistry, they told a great story. You know, all the elements of a great wrestling match, um, those two exhibited. Uh, Back then, every move meant something. Every move had a meaning. They told, these matches told beautiful stories. and and Dory and Jack were both incredible athletes. Um, I, they had dozens and dozens of hour Broadway, some going ninety minutes. And you know the pace was a lot different back then. It wasn't a lot of flipping and flopping. And neither Dory nor Jack were you know high flyers. Jack did throw an occasional drop kick, but the uh, the matches were just incredible. And to me, those matches along with Flair and Steamboat. And, you know, their rivalry was hot and heavy from, you know, say, 77 to 89, when I consider that trilogy of matches in 1989 with with uh, Rick and Steamboat probably among the best in, you know, ever. They had, the funny thing is, I know Rick will say the same thing. Uh, they had matches, house show matches that were actually better than the uh, the matches in 89, uh, the three big matches they had in 1989. I saw those guys work in the, in the late 70s, into the 80s. I mean, they just, they tore the house down. And unfortunately, those matches, there were no TV cameras there. None were recorded. But they did some incredible things at house shows uh, for several years. I mean, they were, it was, it was just awesome. So to me, those matches between uh, those four guys were among the best that I had ever seen. And that, that goes back 50 years. You know, I date back to the sixties when guys like Luthez ruled the wrestling world. And I was able to see some of Lou's matches too. Of course it was, it was closer to the, to the end of his career, but you know, he was still one of the greats. Absolutely. And when Dave and I were talking about this, the first thing I did think of was, uh, uh, Dory Funk and Jack Briscoe because of all the legendary classics. But like you said, sadly, this is an era that either they taped over the matches or it doesn't exist anymore. It's really, really hard to find. As well as like for me being an all Japan pro wrestling fan, it's I remember all the great 
Kobashi, uh, Kawada, Mizawa oh, matches yeah. that had yeah. this tough physical style. And but yep. it's not like today where we have the New Japan Network where we could watch it. And you have to really go out there and try to search for these big, big type of matches, or it's just not yeah. available because they just taped over it. And it, it sucks because it's it's lost history. But people like yourself that could either write it in a book or talk about it. And most of the callers are talking about matches. Like uh, me and Dave, we both saw Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat when they first came to the Meadowlands. We were talking about that on air. And it was just, to yeah. me, one of the greatest matches of all time that there was no camera. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yep. I know. It, it's so strange. But, you know, these things are etched in my memory. And that's, uh, you know, I've been doing this for so long. And, uh, you know, I, one of my missions now is just to preserve wrestling history, to try to, you know, teach a younger generation that, Hey, wrestling existed way back then. I call it the era of crew believers. Uh, this was some incredible stuff. You know, we talk about greatest matches. Uh, it may not be technical artistry, but did they get any more exciting and, and brutal than Wahoo McDaniel against Johnny Valentine? Uh, I saw those guys bleed buckets of blood from, you know, here to Texas. Um, that was such great stuff. It was... Uh, it was, you know, things just, there are matches and then there are rest, there are matches. Those were matches. Um, Valentine against Flair, Valentine against Wahoo. And uh, I kind of grew up in the mid Atlantic area where tag team, tag team wrestling was, it, it, Carolina's in Virginia back then, which later became known as a mid Atlantic territory. That was a hotbed of tag team wrestling. So I got to see teams uh, like the, the Andersons, you know, first Gene and Lars and Gene and Ole, Rip Hawkins, Sweet Hanson, Scott Brothers, George Becker and Johnny Weaver, Nelson Royal and Paul Jones, Skull Murphy and Brute Bernard. You know, the list goes on and on. But um, those were incredible matches. And a lot of the matches were known as Battle of the Bullies back then. You know, heel team against heel team. Murphy and Bernard against the... Uh, the assassins, um, Rip Hulk and Sweet Hansen against uh, Gene and Ole. And Tommy, you'll appreciate this. Uh, talking, you, talking about hardcore, I saw hardcore back in the 60s and uh, in, in 70s with guys like Hulk and Hansen against Gene and Ole Anderson. I remember those guys came into the ring one night. They were bringing boards and chains and you know everything but the kitchen sink. Total bloodbath. And, you know, you talk about hardcore, that, that was pretty hardcore. And we're talking about, we're talking about maybe, yeah, 50, 50 years ago. So it's great stuff. I, I was just, had a, I had a ringside seat for all of this. And, uh, you know, it's funny too, um, where we, I, and I, I said it before on the show, history always repeats itself. When you, you talk about that match, it was a snugger style. And yeah, 100%, everything we did in ECW, you know, we borrowed from other places, you know, Mid-South <laughs> uh, Wrestling or Tennessee. And yeah. that, the strong style of today, when you talk about snug styles of Ole and Gene Anderson versus Rip Hawk and Sweet Hansen, it, those guys are probably just out there beating the hell out of each other and then come back and either, you know, drink a beer together or smoke a cigarette and do it the next night in the next town. Which is the beauty of yeah, professional that's wrestling. That's the incredible thing about it. These guys wrestled six, seven nights a week. I mean, they went from one town to another, you know, and and uh, it, they didn't get, you know, they weren't in, on any signed contracts. They had to work the next day. They didn't have a choice. Yeah. But uh, it was a very noble profession. And Mike, uh, th the business now with no fans, as well as uh, you know, portraying storylines through promos. And I really do think a lot of wrestlers have stepped up. And, uh, you know, when we're talking about Mr. Wrestling 2, I remember his style, he would come out and talk and he would talk to Gordon Soley or when he'd walk out there in a suit and yeah. have the mask on and he had like dignity. And here's a guy who has no facial expressions because his mask is hidden, but you got yeah. behind him and he delivered a message. And when he raised his voice, you were like, oh, crap, Mr. Wrestling Number 2 yeah. means business. And he fought for the people. Yeah. And the fans, they had their own song when he would wrestle in Georgia, uh -huh. just like the Junkyard yeah. Dog did. And it, yeah. it was just amazing, those crowd chants. But that, what people think the yes chant and all that stuff is today, 
that stuff went on forever back in the day. So that's why I appreciate historians and I appreciate where it's very, very hard to do something first uh, because yeah. everything has been done to death yeah. in professional wrestling. That's, yeah. But that's its beauty because it continues. And guys like us who have been watching, I mean, we're probably combined over 160 years old and we still love it and want to watch it. Well, I keep that torch burning, brother. Absolutely. No, and I, and I and that's something that we try to do here on on Busted Open. And obviously, you know, I, I grew up watching. You know, I, I always say it here on the show: Georgia Championship Wrestling. And you know, we want to keep it alive, not only for the nostalgia feel, and people love that, but it just so you understand the, the the foundation of what we're watching today. And it's hard to explain uh, to a younger viewer. And and you know, you know, our producers, Gabby and Mike. They're much younger than Tommy and I, and, and they've grown up in a, in a world of pro wrestling where they knew that it was predetermined. You know, when I started yeah. watching pro wrestling, that was completely the opposite. It's really hard to describe that because we, re- we truly felt what we were watching was real because yeah. it was perceived as real. Yes, yes. It, it was the era of true believers, as I call it. But, you know, it's, it's the last time where... You know, I consider real heat uh, existed, you know, because people believed. And um, that's what it, it it really was like going to a fight every week. You know, that was uh, Friday night at County Hall here in Charleston, 815. People didn't go just to see a wrestling show. They went to see a fight between two guys or two teams that they really thought hated one another. And um, I'm telling you. I I knew it was heat because I was almost I was almost stabbed before at a wrestling show um, uh, for you know fans trying to get to the heels and you know I was taking pictures and here comes a pocket knife about a half foot away from my head right on the ring apron but that's how that's how crazy these fans were back then you know they really believed everything and and that's sort of what made it exciting that made it. Um, that made it thrilling for for people to go and and watch this, um, uh, this show every single week. And, uh, I don't know. It was just, it was a great period in wrestling and uh, I'm so glad I was part of it because I, you know, I can tell younger fans today just how good it was. Now, uh, admittedly, some of those fans might think uh, they've been reconditioned and they might think, well, that's boring. How could you sit down for 60 minutes and, and watch two guys wrestle? Well, it was easy back then. I mean, it was easy, and 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 we loved it. Um, and uh, you know, I I really miss those days tremendously. Mike, do you watch uh, the current product? Yeah, sure, I do. Yeah, I mean, you know, I still cover it. Uh, I still have that passion for the old school. So mostly, what I write about today is, uh, you know, uh, sort of uh, history oriented. But yeah, I watch it, and 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 I like some of it. Um, it's gotten a little too much flipping and flopping for me, um, and some of it is just entirely too choreographed. But when I really, when I see two guys that really, uh, you know, you can invest in emotionally, and you really get into their storyline, and it's great storytelling in their matches. Uh, I I love that. Uh, you know, that's still part of the um, old school uh, stuff that that I can you know sink my teeth into. And and there is there is some you know there's some good stuff out there today. But I'm having a hard time watching this stuff with no audience because I I've always felt that audience is is half of the show. And uh, I I give a lot of credit and kudos to the guys out there that are still, you know, working under those conditions. But it's just really hard as a fan for me to, to um, you know, to totally get myself into that kind of, uh, that kind of match. Absolutely. Uh, I spoke about it yesterday. I, I just had to wrestle in front of no fans. And it oh, was, yeah. uh, you, you, you need that boost. And, and I said it earlier, it's real when the fans get behind you or, or, and that's what right. I hate about this upcoming greatest yeah. uh, ever match that the fans will be there because they're just as important as the referee. They're what we work for. And the fact that you're just going to be able to sit home and watch it and not be there live. It's just, it's that missing element, but 
like you said, it's kudos to the men and women doing it. Uh, real quick, uh, me and Dave, if you want to have a great fan moment, you can go back when we interviewed Rocky Johnson before he passed to, to put over his book. We yeah. just went online and watched Bruiser Brody versus Rocky Johnson from, uh, I believe it was from Houston. And uh-huh. we're watching it and we both, Rocky pinned him clean. And we both yeah. were like, oh, what? <laughs> and it made us, because you know, you know, you heard the legend of Bruiser Brody. He didn't want to, you know, and I was just like, wow, yeah. what? that was gigantic yeah. that that happened. And him, yeah. him and I, first time I ever watched it. And it reminds me of why we're fans as well, because they yeah. got us again. And wrestling will always hook us just like the real life storyline that you said, like with Edge and Randy Orton, that has realism to it. So that's yeah. why they went yeah. this whole route with it. And as you experienced everything that they said back in the day, you took it as yep. that that's real. That was gospel, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That was real. You'd deal. see the guys bleed and you'd see the guys, yep. you know, get their ass handed to them. You'd see the, you know, the photographers would take the pictures and then they, you know, uh, you know, Wahoo broke my, uh, Greg Valentine broke my leg, broke my leg. or Roddy Piper's, my <laughs> ear is all messed up. And it's just, it was real. Yeah. Yeah, and it you know, back to the arena week after week. You, you know, seeing Ricky Steamboat's face all bandaged up, like you know, and and you know, it's just it's just it's just different. And you know, and listen, you know, Mike, like with with everything, you know, things evolve, and uh, you know, Vince McMahon made that decision to to go public with you know, kind of peeling back that curtain. You know, Tommy and I talk about it; it's still etched in my brain. You know, you know. Black Saturday, July fourteenth, you know, nineteen eighty four. That 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 day will always be in my memory bank because you know certain yeah. childhood memories that kind of changed the course of professional wrestling. But you know, you know, it's hard to argue when hey, no other sport right now is going on but pro wrestling. It's it's not in front of fans. It's not ideal, but the world of pro wrestling never stopped. It, you know, as this pandemic was going on, shows were still going on. It shows the the power and it also shows the love and support for pro wrestling. It 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 does. Um you know, the mantra has always been the show must go on and it'll always go on. Uh, for a lot of our listeners too, if you want to listen to the dedication and why wrestlers from every generation will get mad when, you know, you mentioned the word fake or anything back in the day. And uh, it's not really exposing it because the business has been exposed so much, but you talk about passion when they would do something like rub a man's face on the concrete and, or, you know, they would cover the guy's face, what they would do in the back, Dave, you had a guy, a lot of it was Harley race and you would have that guy in the locker room that would punch you and open you up in the back yeah. or yeah, you true. went another route and somebody took sandpaper to your face. And I did something like that. And I had someone sandpaper my face. You have no clue how much it hurt. And this is no adrenaline. This is in the back where one, I'm yes. just going to stand there and let you punch me in the face so I could bleed, so I could come on television the next week and show people yeah. how I got beat up. Now they have makeup. But I remember first when someone like, I was putting sand, I was sandpapering my own face. It hurt so much. And I was like, okay, somebody else just do it. Like, cut me, Mick, cut me. And I had somebody else sandpaper my face and it was, wasn't working. I remember someone came over and just gave me a shot in the face. And I knew this was happening, but it's because we love this business so much. And that's why I always pay respect to the veterans uh, because they truly paved the way. And if you think of how psychotic that is to do, because if you explain that to real people, it's like, are you kidding me? But people who've been around the business, like Mike's laughing because he probably saw that if he was allowed in the locker rooms at the time, but that was the realness of it. I mean, Mick Foley could tell you about sandpaper in his face, or like I said, you had that guy who had a really good punch and Harley race had that one, you know, bionic hand and just like, Oh, I'll come over. And he blast you in the eye. So next week you could look like you got beat up and that's as real as real can get. Yeah. Dedicated to the craft. Absolutely. Mike, this has been awesome. Gene Anderson got several of his teeth knocked out in a match, and 
after, after the match was over, only said, well, you, you need to go to a dentist wow. or a doctor. He said, no, I'll be okay. Just work <laughs> the rest of the time, you know, with Amazing. several teeth missing. Amazing. Mike, I mean, we could, we could talk for hours. Uh, I really I appreciate the time. Um, Mike, how, how can fans uh, interact with you? How can they get in touch with you? Well, it, you know, as you said earlier, I'm pretty active on uh, social media. So they can catch me uh, on Facebook, Mike Mooneyham here in Charleston, South Carolina, or by, by Mike Mooneyham uh, on Twitter. And, uh, you know, my column, I still have my column going. It's uh, 31 years every Sunday in the Post and Courier, and they can uh, go to thepostandcourier.com and access my column every week. Uh, still doing it, you know. Awesome. Mike, thank away. you. Thank you for waving the flag of pro wrestling. Thank you for keeping the torch uh, of the traditions of pro wrestling burning. And thank you so much for giving us the time today. And and thank you also. I, I enjoy being on the show. You guys have a great show. And uh, you do a wonderful job of keeping that old, old, uh, old flame burning. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.